Good morning and welcome. This is All People's Church coming to you from Flagstaff, Arizona. Today is July 31st, 2022. In today's Bible study, Pastor Denise begins part two of Spiritual Warfare, Armor of God. Her focus today will be the belt of truth. Let's join her now as she begins reading from God's holy word. From Ephesians 6, starting with verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And then down to 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, excuse me, to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And I'm going to add part of verse 14. Stand therefore having your, girded your waist with truth. So we're going to talk a little bit later into the, this teaching about the belt of truth. I want to do a quick review of spiritual warfare, and then we will move right on and maybe not say much about it. I'm skipping a few chapters. I just took a couple of things from a handful of chapters because he really goes into great detail about spiritual warfare and it's really good but it's a lot of detail and I think you guys have the book so I just would recommend if you're interested in more that he says you might want to just take time to go through the book when you get a chance because it will take a while. Spiritual warfare don't get caught up in doing fleshly things to win a spiritual battle because our battle is in our spirit and where we need to use the scripture, the word of God and praying to win these battles that come against us. And so I want to quote from page 76 in the book by Rick Renner, Dressed to Kill. Our goal in life, he says, our goal in life now, because we're saved, is not to fight for our deliverance, Rather, it's to freely accept our deliverance that has already been procured for us. Because Christ already, when he died on the cross and resurrected, he already set us free when we got saved from anything that Satan can do to us. We're free from Satan's domain. We're free from even sin having authority over us because we learned that in Romans that we we can be free from that sin so we need to just believe that we have that deliverance and that's part of what I think mental warfare is is that what do we believe what do we think and that's where we get into God's word our minds are where we battle because Romans 8 7 let's read that and see what it says about our carnal mind and our fleshly mind because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. Our flesh, our carnal minds, or our fleshly mind, are enemies against God, even as a saved person, because we, that's where our war is. Even Paul said later in Romans, he said, sometimes I don't do the things that I know I should do. Or I do things I know I shouldn't do. And he basically says, help me, help me, God, with this to have the victory over this. So it's a battle for us. And we have to think things through and make decisions of, of, to live for God. So one more quote from page 108. 
Renner says, if we do not seek to renew, or if you do not seek to renew your mind, your will, and your emotions to the truth of God's word, then the illusion of bondage will continue to dominate your life. So in these battles and in this, when we get into these areas of our lives where we know what we should do, but all of us have to work at times to do those things that we should and to make that decision, then, um, then as, as he says that we have to have our mind already renewed by the word of God, which helps us as we continue to do that, to grow stronger and to realize that we can overcome these things with God's strength and God's help. So how can we be victorious in our thinking? I've already alluded to it. We must renew our minds, and we will see that again in Romans 12, 2, if you'll read that for us, Cliff. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Okay, so don't, don't let our thinking continue to conform to the worldly ideas and the, the way that non-Christians do things or the way that our flesh always wants to go, but have our minds transformed. Renew our minds in the Lord. And let's also read Ephesians 4, verses 23 and 24, and then I'll elaborate on that a little bit more. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind in that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. How do we renew our mind? That would be the question because we're told to, to renew our minds in the Lord and it's our job to renew our minds in the Lord. When we renew our minds in the Lord, we do it by learning what God's word says, reading God's word when we can, Sometimes we have to go back and find scriptures that pertain to things in our lives going on right now or think, you know, what what does the Bible say that I should do about this or how should I respond in this particular area of my life? So we can go back and look up scriptures and see what the Bible says. Rick Renner says, talking about the renewing of our mind and working to know God's word, this is the reason, he says, from page 110, he says, we must gird up the wounds of our minds. And that's from First Peter, that's that about girding up the wounds of your mind, that scripture. We must gird up the wounds of our mind by seeking to renew our thinking with the word of God. The consistent renewal of our minds with the word of with the word will eradicate wrong thinking, wrong believing, scars from the past, and hurtful emotional memories that would exert their influence on our new life in Christ. The renewing of our mind doesn't add to the already completed work of Jesus Christ. It just puts us in a mental state that enables us to use our faith better so we can enjoy the benefits that God gave us. So it just helps change our thinking so that we can have a more enjoyable Christian life. And this is why spiritual warfare is a lifelong commitment. Now, I don't want to make it sound like it's a constant big battle all day, every day that you cannot enjoy living for the Lord, but it's a lifelong commitment in the sense of constantly seeking the Lord, constantly being in the Word, walking as close to Him as we can, and not just one big gust of emotion, 
to frighten the devil away for a while. And sometimes, and you'll see that occasionally, and, and maybe even in group prayers, sometimes maybe sometimes you somebody might get um, more emotional and want to just sort of put Satan on the road, so to speak. But really, our spiritual warfare is a daily walk with the Lord. It takes renewing our minds through God's Word, which requires meditating on God's Word till it gets in our heart and soul. God's Word teaches us to live a holy life and how to walk after the Spirit. And so John 14, 26 tells us about the Holy Spirit's role in our Christian walk, if you would read that. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. This was Jesus talking to the disciples, and he was telling them that he needed to go away because if he didn't leave, the Holy Spirit wouldn't be able to come to earth, and the Holy Spirit would be their comforter and their helper when he came to earth. And he said that the Holy Spirit would teach them all things and also help them to remember the things that Jesus has said to them because they didn't necessarily have it all written down at the time Jesus talked to them and spoke to them but they heard what Jesus said but if we don't know God's word if we aren't familiar with the things that God says in his word then the Holy Spirit won't be able to bring these things to our remembrance because we won't already have gotten them into our brain then let's move on to know that jesus as we said already broke the authority of the devil over us when he died and resurrected we learn this from colossians chapter 2 verse 15 it says that jesus disarmed principalities and powers he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them in it so he already took care of our victory now we take care of the other part of our mind so we can walk in this victory as rick renner says we still need to maintain our christ bought christ imparted freedom by renewing our minds because freedom becomes a way of life as we replace our wrong thinking and wrong believing with what the Word of God declares about our new condition. Although our inner man has already been born again and made new, the mind and the body must still be conformed to the image of the inner man because we see things, we think things, our brains are constantly moving forward, our brains are seeing stuff and computing things so we need to put God's word into our minds too so when our brains start computing our thinking can be changed so we know what God says the author of this book Rick Renner has a lot more to say about spiritual warfare he goes into a lot of detail as I already said but I'm not going to cover that portion of the book at this time so I'm going to move on to the armor of God and it's important to remember that the armor that we're talking about has been given to us by God. It's the armor of God. We're told in Ephesians to stand in the strength of his might. So we're to put on the armor that God provides, and we're to stand in the strength that God gives us. So we, we could really say we need to put on the whole armor that comes from God. So because this armor comes from God, we need to stay in fellowship with God in order to walk in his truth and in his armor. 
So many times, and you guys may have heard, but often or many times Christians will sort of simulate putting on the armor of God, some of them maybe daily or weekly. Uh, you might hear people saying or praying something like, okay, I put on the helmet of salvation. Lord, help my thinking. Bless me today. I put on the breastplate of righteousness. I put buckle the truth around my waist. And while this might be a good reminder concerning what the scripture says about uh, the armor of God, this does not actually clothe us with the armor of God. It's just a reminder. The armor of God is ours by virtue of our relationship with God. And that is another quote from the book. In order to get a nice correlation and understanding about the armor of God, let's talk, let, we will bring in some of the historical facts about the Roman soldier's armor. And so the Roman soldier's armor, first of all, they had, they had an elaborate decorative helmet. Their helmet was showy but useful. Their breastplate that they wore began, began at the soldier's neck and extended down to his hips and then even went past his hips, almost like a skirt around his knees. He had greaves, which were arm, his armor to protect his shins during battle. Uh, so he had these, wore these shin protectors on his leg and the shoes that he wore had spikes in them, metal spikes in them, which uh, we will learn more about that later. And then the soldier carried a lance or a spear. Also, they had a loin belt, which held all this armor together. The loin belt, although not real showy, and a very small piece of armor, was considered the most important piece of armor for Roman soldiers because it it held their other armor together. First of all, their shield actually attached to their loin belt to help them hold or carry their shield. Their sword hung on their loin belt and their lance rested on it. Our spiritual loin belt or spiritual belt is the belt of truth. I think Ephesians says, buckled around your waist, gird your waist with the truth. It's the only spiritual weapon that is actually visible to our sight. How can that be? Because our belt of truth, our loin belt of truth, equals the word of God. In John 17, 17, Jesus plainly tells us that God's word is the truth. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. This is Jesus talking, really Jesus praying. In John 17, he prayed a beautiful prayer for the disciples before he left this earth and also he actually included his future followers in in John 17 in some of his prayers and it's just a wonderful chapter to read sometimes and just be reminded how Jesus feels about us and what he thinks about us so he's asking God to sanctify the disciples and their lives in their spiritual life He's asking God, sanctify them by your truth, God. And then he says, your word is truth. So he's telling us what the truth is, what our standard of truth is, is God's word. Would you read John 14, 6? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. Okay, Jesus is always say, also saying that he is the truth. He's the way, the way to heaven, truth, and he brings eternal life to us. No one comes to the Father except through him. So, uh, as a matter of fact, Jesus is considered the living word. And so that is in John 1, 1 and John 1, 14. In the beginning was the word and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So what we're learning here is God's Word is truth. God's Word is the standard because Jesus uh, told us that. And then He also tells us that He is the truth the way, the truth, and the life. How can that be? Because when we see Jesus as the living word and he was a living word, that simply means that when he was on earth, he lived a perfect life. He lived exactly according to the word of God. He didn't sin. He obeyed God even to death is what, um, I think that scripture is in Colossians. So he, he walked the truth. He showed us the truth in his life, how to live out the truth of the word of God. So just like the Roman soldier armor, excuse me, the Roman soldier belt, the truth, held everything together, held their other armor together, was the most important piece of their armor. Our spiritual belt of God's truth holds everything together for us. So let's see how that could possibly be. Consider the breastplate of righteousness that Paul mentions. How do we know what righteousness is and how do we know how to live a righteous life unless we know God's word or read God's word? Okay, the shoes of peace. We need to know God's peace and have God's peace in our life. We need to know God's word so that we can live in peace with others and in our own mind. Sometimes we need peace from our own guilt over things or, or peace from things that bother us and we can begin to implement God's word in our life and pray about it and let the Lord help us to, to begin to walk in peace. Shield of faith. How do we grow in our faith? Romans ten seventeen tells us how to grow in our faith. So then, Paul says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So there we have it again. Hearing the word of God builds our faith. We need to know how to live righteous. We need to have peace. We need to grow our faith. And Peter tells us in 1 Peter 2, 2 about desiring God's word. Okay, 1 Peter 2, 2 says, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word so that you can grow thereby. He's encouraging us just like uh, a newborn wants to eat. If you're the mom or if you're the one responsible for feeding a newborn, you think they want to eat all the time because it seems like every couple of hours that child, that baby's waking up and hungry again, needing to be satisfied with milk. So Peter's encouraging us to let a hunger for God's word develop in us and desire that pure milk of the word. 
How do we do that? I think we do that because when we begin to read God's Word and are able to take a period of time from our daily lives where we feed on God's Word instead of maybe feeding on other things, so to speak, instead of um, maybe seeing some watching TV at that time or reading another book or whatever, then we begin to be hungrier for God's Word. So once we start often our desire to read more of God's Word will grow. I heard uh, one of our pastors one time liken God's Word or not being in God's Word to the idea of eating junk food. People who eat a lot of junk food often don't want the good meals that are prepared in the day. But if we back off on the junk food and the sugar and all those things, then we can appreciate good food and want to eat good food. And in the same way, he was encouraging us that if we spend a little time in God's Word or some time in God's Word, then we don't desire so much to fill that part of our lives with other things. So finally, in the armor, the sword of the Spirit is, all, is the Word of God, is what Ephesians tell us. So I want to note that here at All People's Church, just like today, we have spoken many times about reading God's Word. We talk a lot about reading God's Word, knowing God's Word, learning God's Word. And it's not to wear anybody out saying to get in, encouraging you to get in God's Word or to make anybody feel guilty if they don't read as much as they think they should or want to. But we believe, as the author of this book writes, that as Christians we can't really function without God's Word having an active and central role in our lives. Because as Christians, we need to know about the God who we serve and know what He's done for us. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and I want to emphasize for instruction in, righteous, instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So as we learn more about God's Word, read God's Word, and, and let it get into our minds and spirits, then we learn about righteousness, which is what we're talking about right now. We learn, we begin to understand the doctrine of God and the doctrine of His Word. Our thinking can be corrected in areas that it needs to be corrected. And the, the result is that we're going to begin to realize that we are more equipped, we're going to be thoroughly equipped, is what Timothy says in 2 Timothy, for every good work. It's going to set us up to win, set us up to be successful, and set us up to walk a successful Christian life. My last quote today from the book Dressed to Kill is that the Bible must be the governor, the law, the ruler and the final say-so in your life. The Bible must be the governor, the law, the ruler, and the final say-so in your life. And that's a quote from page 267. So in conclusion, we seek the truth of God, and the only way to know His truth is to read and be familiar with His Word. And I end today by quoting 
Henry David Thoreau. Now, he was an American author. I don't know about his spiritual life, okay? I don't know if he's a Christian, but he was an author. I learned and read from him in high school. I want to quote him. He says, rather than love, than money, than fame, give me truth. And I'm not sure of his spiritual walk. I don't know if he loved God and served God, but I think that could really be applied to us as Christians. Rather than love, than money, than fame, give me truth. Amen. Amen. This message has been brought to you by All People's Church of Arizona. We are a virtual church headquartered in Flagstaff. If you have found this audio message to be useful, and you would like to join us for our Sunday service, please find the Zoom link on our website at apcofaz.org. Our service starts at 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. If you would like to know more about eternal life through Jesus, continue to listen for more information. The first and most important step to eternal life through Jesus is to accept Him as your Lord and Savior. It is an act of the will. The basics of salvation or reconciliation with God the Father can be summarized in three statements. First, you must understand that we are all spiritually dead, that is, separated from God, and cannot be reconciled to Him on our own. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have all sinned and have no means to atone for our sins. We have no remedy. Second, you must believe in your heart that Jesus is the one sent by God. The Bible says in John 20.31, But these are written speaking of the signs that Jesus did during his earthly ministry, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. And John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The sacrifice of his Son was God's plan for salvation for all humanity. Our only part in this plan is whether or not we will believe it and accept it. Third, confess with your mouth. In Romans 10, 9, and 10, it is written that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Essentially, this is very simple. It means you must pronounce your faith to God in prayer. There is no right prayer. Prayer is conversation, so say to God what is really in your heart. Many sample prayers include affirmative statements concerning the three points above, such as this one. Father in heaven, I have sinned against you. I have hurt other people and I've hurt myself. I believe you sent Jesus to die for my sins. I accept your gift of salvation. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Help me to love and live as a follower of Jesus should. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. Finally, go to church on Sunday to strengthen your faith. Accepting Christ Jesus as your Savior is the first step, but the journey of faith is a long one. There is much to learn and you will need friends to help. We would love for you to attend All People's Church and become part of our fellowship. As noted above, it is as easy as clicking on the Zoom link found at apcofaz.org.
Contact me by Facebook Messenger or by email at apcofarizona at protonmail.com for more information or to talk about faith in Jesus Christ. My prayers are with you, and I hope to hear from you. This concludes our message for today.